If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of In The Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen, and I'm so grateful that you are here today. Thank you for spending some time and and tuning in. Uh, Listen, as a business owner, a speaker, an entrepreneur, honestly, the journey of trying to figure out my brand, which is, I'm using air quotes here. It was really awkward, to be honest. And I dealt a lot with people telling me what I should do or how I should position myself. It was kind of tough. It was super messy because while I wanted to listen to the advice of marketing experts and very wise business owners who were in my network, I had to decide at one point that I was really going to trust myself and I was going to lean in to my own intuition instead of maybe what they felt they were hearing or seeing or, 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 you know, projecting onto me. And I had to do this by getting clear on my heart for this work. That is really my service to the world. But one thing I wrestled with was like, why is branding important? And you may be wondering, how can you figure out your brand? And another thing that came up is, you know, is branding just for businesses and entrepreneurs and celebrities or people, you know, in a position of influence? Well, we're going to talk about all of this and more in today's episode with my guest, Mike Kim. Mike is a personal branding and marketing expert and author of the best-selling book, you are the brand. (laughs) He's also host of the podcast also titled you are the brand. And Mike has done some amazing work for thought leaders and influencers like Dr. Daniel Amen, Tony Horton, John Maxwell, and Donald Miller, just to name a few. Mike, welcome to the show. I am honored to be here, Karen. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all you who are listening in. And I hope to be of some help and some value today. (laughs) Lots of help. I I have no doubt. (laughs) Now, before we jump into the work that you're doing today, I I am curious because some people can look at their career and they're like, oh yeah, I knew that I was going to do this. And then others, you're like, I don't know. I kind of stumbled into it. That's my story. Totally stumbled into this. But, But growing up, what were some of your favorite pastimes? Like, What did you do for fun or what was exciting for you? Oh, when I was a kid, and, and I'm in the same boat, I totally stumbled into what I'm doing. <laughs> I, you could never have told me that this is what I would end up doing. But when I was a kid, I loved comic books. I was actually pretty decent at drawing because my mom, I think I inherited some of my mom's art skills. She went to a really good art school in Korea. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. So I collected hordes of comic books. I would draw stuff. I, I mean, I'm talking like when I was in grade school, like I would draw Ninja Turtles. Oh, kids in, yeah, and kids in school would be like, oh, can you draw me one? And that was kind of how I, I don't know, I, I kind of used that to like build friendships, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least not get bullied, hopefully, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, kids can be mean. And so uh, all throughout like grade school, junior high, high school, I was pretty interested in art. And then it got real. And I was like, oh, like there's levels to this stuff. And like, if I really want to do this, uh, I've really got to commit. I've really got to learn a lot. Mm. But that was that was kind of what I focused on and what I really enjoyed doing uh, as a kid. And of course, other things like, you know, just playing sports, basketball, um, whatnot. But art was the big thing. And when I laid it down, like, you know, I went to school, you know, went to college. I did some music as well. I didn't, I didn't know if art would ever come back into my life. Mm. You know how sometimes you kind of wonder about like the things that you did as a kid, are they going to circle back around? 
And now that I'm in marketing, I can kind of see this marriage of like art and creativity and like the 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 business side of things, like the organizational side and the growth. So it's kind of like a full circle thing for me, but that's what I was really into as a kid. Well, I think that those, you know, pastimes, they do give us glimpses into the natural gifts and talents that then may, you know, fully form into a career. Because when you said comic book, I immediately thought of storytelling and storytelling is one of the first things that, you know, we think about when it comes to marketing, at least nowadays, it's not just the biggest billboard, right? It really is. How do you, how do you tell a story? And so no, I can I can definitely see how that would play into into the work that you're doing doing today. Yeah, I love a good story. When I got a little older, so my dad like banned me from playing video games because he said I played too many. <laughs> and so when I went to college, I was like, oh, I'm free. I'm just gonna and I loved the immersiveness of video games and the stories that could be told and experienced that way. I loved the great movie. I loved the great book. So I've always been a story junkie as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It probably came from confidence. I never put two and two together, but yeah, that's absolutely a, a thread. I think that was like woven through the different stages in my life. Yeah. And, you know, here we are now talking about marketing. I asked me when I was a kid, I probably would have thought marketing was just advertising. I wouldn't have known it in, like included all of this storytelling and this nuance. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I think it's evolved though. It's evolved to this place of of storytelling. So if this wasn't your, you know, dream job, which no surprise, most of us are not dreaming about what the position we're going to be in as an adult. So how did you stumble into, into marketing, into the marketing and branding space? Yeah. So for several years, uh, I mean, this is like a totally different life. Uh, I was the music director at a church. And I did this full time. And, you know, me being a Korean American guy, this was a predominantly Caucasian church in the middle of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Right. So I must have been good at what I did in some degree. Right. <laughs> it's like, I was like, why do I live here? What am I doing here? But it was a fairly large church. And uh, I went through this career pivot. I had met a guy who was out in Colorado, kind of doing the same job, but just on a much bigger scale. And I was going through some bigger, deeper life questions. Like, is this the stuff that I believe in? Like, what is, you know, is this a life of impact? Mm -hmm. And like the seeds were planted in me to kind of like know enough that this isn't what I wanted to do with my life, but I was good at it. And I was at like this really, really like integral stage in my life. I was in like my early thirties. May I interrupt for a second? Absolutely. I think people can find themselves in that moment and because comfort feels so comfortable (laughs) and and secure. So what were some of those things that started to come up for you that you're like, "Mm, I don't know if this is for me. And how did you start to interact with those tensions? Yeah. So that meeting, I, so I met this guy named Ross and he lived in Colorado and his church was like, 15,000 people. It was crazy. It was was like a concert every weekend. I mean, literally. And so I emailed him and I'm like, Hey, I don't know anyone else who does my job. And I've heard of you because of your records. Can I like pick your brain for an hour? I literally will fly to Colorado because I was so hungry to to learn. Mm -hmm. So Karen, I fly to this guy and he invites me out for the weekend uh, and then to stay for a conference they were doing. And I met this guy who was quite literally at the top of the mountain in my industry. Like I looked out the back of his office and there was a panor- unbroken panorama of the Colorado Rockies. I'm like, this guy's got it made. And it was the weirdest thing. I let, it was a great conversation. I go back to my hotel and I'm like, if everything breaks right in my life, 
you know, for the next 15 years, do I want this guy's life in the next, in 15 years? And I said, no. Mm. And that, I did not know where that came from, but I think a lot of us, even career wise, we spend our lives just climbing the ladder rung by rung by rung. And then we realize the ladder is leaning up against the wrong building. Mm. And so these days, what I tell people, because I'm in, in coaching and I'm, I'm, encouraging people like, Hey, if you want to, you know, start your own thing or become an entrepreneur, if you want to speak, if you want to coach, if you want to consult and essentially turn a solopreneur business into your full-time thing, sometimes the first most important step is to just meet somebody who's at the top of the industry that you're trying to climb. Mm -hmm. Like, look at your manager's job, look at your CEO's job. Would you want her lifestyle? Would you want his uh, schedule? Yeah. I mean, it's such common sense, but we, we don't have enough wherewithal sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was the big thing. I mean, that mm -hmm. just festered <laughs> for the next two years. And I'm, I, but I started picking up rocks and looking at what was under it. And I really started asking questions about, you know, what I wanted my life to look like. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's, that's emotionally kind of what happened. It was disorienting, but I just kept forging a little bit forward. You just kept facing it and asking the question and like, for us to check in with ourselves to say, how do you feel about this is often overlooked, right? Instead of us asking how we feel, we we hold the weight of consideration for everybody else. Oh, I don't want to let this person down or, oh, I, I don't want to, you know, fill in the blank. We know our own narratives, but yeah. really when you check in with how I feel about what I'm doing or where I'm going, you're going to get a ton of insight. Yeah. Uh, and to that end, it was sort of like, I, I came up with, you know, phrasing this way later, but I realized that at that phase in my life, integrity was about living a life worthy of your own respect. Mm. And so when I, when that bug kind of came into my ear and it came into my awareness, right. And I, I'm a little woo woo or woo adjacent at least. Right. Mm. I was like, if this is in my awareness now, I can pretend like I don't know about it. But no, I, I felt that. I felt like that was really real. I mean, like yeah. that, mm -hmm, I don't think I want to do this. And it just didn't go away. And I just kept feeding it. So I listened to podcasts. I tried to find any book I could uh, at Barnes & Noble about you know reinventing yourself or changing your career. And again, I, I felt like I was so underqualified to do anything else except that kind of work. Mm, you know? Because how long had you been in that work uh, at that time that you started to reconsider? Yeah, that was a four-year full-time position, but even before that, I was in volunteer roles. And so right. even though I went to undergrad, I graduated with a degree in American studies, I didn't really do anything with it. Mm -hmm. So career, my LinkedIn profile was an embarrassment to myself, right? I was like, who's going to take me seriously for a new... And I was like, do I look for a new job? And do I go to do I go to grad school? Do I try to go to business school? All these questions were just like flooding my mind. Mm -hmm. But the thing that was really, really helpful was just, I was voraciously trying to gobble up any kind of information I could. I didn't have any friends who did this. So books became my friends. Podcasts became my friends. Great place to learn. Great place yeah. to learn. I mean, you can start with your network, but don't stop there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that was sort of the journey for me. You wrestled with this question. You knew that you were in the wrong place. You started to educate yourself to say, okay, if I'm going to take a risk, if I'm going to completely change the game at this point. So once you started to do that, how did marketing even come into the picture? I mean, yeah, it sounds like you would have gone, you know, maybe a different route in music or a different, we talked about art. How, how did this happen? 
Yeah. So it's so wild when I look back on it. So uh, I leave that post. I moved back to New Jersey from Connecticut. It's about three hours away. And one of my old bosses found out I moved back to New Jersey. So when I was in college, I used to teach high school kids at an after-school academy, prepping them for SATs and ACTs and college entrance exams. And we had always been very close. There there were a, a couple, a married couple, uh, quite older than me, but uh, and they were the proprietors, but they they found out that I was back in town. And we'd always kept in touch. And they said, hey, would you come in and teach a few classes? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that might be nice. Just you know, use a different part of my brain for a little while. And I'm leaving work one day. And this is when like, I just do not know what I'm doing with my life. Like, I don't have a full-time job at that point. Like, I'm like working part-time with them and trying to figure out what else I want to do and wrestling with this decision. Do I go to like grad school or whatever? And she goes, Hey, can you look at this ad that we created? Let me know what you think. And she slides across the desk and I just tear it apart. I'm like, you know, I do this, do this. This is written poorly, blah, 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 blah. And she looks at me like I have two heads because she's known me since I was like, you know, in college. She's like, how do you know how to do this? I was like, I don't know. I just know that that's bad. <laughs> and what I realized, Karen, like, was that all those four years when I was in that music director position, I was doing a lot of marketing. Like, I hosted conferences, we recorded albums, so I had to promote them. Mm. I always had a strong background in writing, which then I discovered in the marketing world is called copywriting. Like, you're writing copy. Yep. I was like, oh, that's what that is. Isn't that funny when you're like, it's oh, so I weird. do this thing, and I I'm taking it for granted because I don't know that there's a space where this can live and serve others. I absolutely can relate to that. <laughs> it's like I was unconsciously competent. Mm. And then someone gave me the language or I learned what the language was to describe it. I was like, oh, and I locked in and I really doubled, tripled down on learning copywriting. And so because I had a history with this, this business owner, she said, okay, uh, what would it cost to have you just do all the marketing for the company? Because they were kind of in this like transition phase. They really needed to grow. Mm-hmm. And I had rapport with them for years. And so she just blanket said, Nate, give us a number. I'll talk to you know my husband about it and, and let us know. And it was a large number. It was a six-figure number. And they said, yes. Wow. So this happened very quickly. And then within a year and a half of starting that position, they made me the CMO of that company. And they grew like three different locations uh, here in Jersey. And within about a year and a half of that, I left that job full-time to go do my own consulting work. So so a lot happened in three years. Were you uncomfortable presenting a six-figure number when you were just coming? I mean, you were actually still in the season of questioning your value, looking at your LinkedIn page saying, this is ridiculous. I'm not, you know, should I go to grad school to, you know, to enhance my credibility? So you're in this space of really you're uncertain about the value or the direction you should take. And now you're able to just lay a number out a big number. Was that uncomfortable? Oh, yeah, 1000%. <laughs> but I also, I also was like, what do I've got to lose? Yeah. I mean, like if I, if I throw out a large number, they might just come down. And if they come down, like, you know, 15%, that's still good for me. I mean, it's better than nothing. Mm. And honestly, I did not know at the time that I wanted to do marketing. Mm-hmm. And so we worked out a kind of a hybrid deal where I would take out, where, where I would teach a few classes for them with the mm-hmm. students and I would do the marketing on the side mm-hmm. um, or marketing as, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. And so I just figured like, let me just throw this number out there. Let's see what they say. 
And I really, honestly, I really had nothing else to lose at that point. I, I cannot emphasize how little I knew about what I was going to do with my life. <laughs> but this opportunity presented itself and I just went for it. Yeah. And it worked out. And now in retrospect, and I appreciate like, you know, you asking some of these granular details because the, people can hear people like me all the time. And we just like gloss over everything. Oh, well, that was wonderful. I, my life should be, it sounds so smooth. It was yeah. not. Right. You know? It's rocky. This is a rocky road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I, I talk about like, you know, sometimes we look, uh, if you were to plot a course on your GPS from Philly or New York, right, to San Francisco, it looks like a straight line across the country. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm just outside of Manhattan. If you zoom in uh, into Manhattan, it looks like a crooked zigzag just to get out of the city. Right. So a lot of times we look at people's journeys and we're like, oh, it looks like a straight path. And that is absolutely not what it was. Yeah. But I just kind of tried to keep forging through. So hence the name in the details, because I details. agree. I agree. We see yes. someone's success story, but we don't know all of the little intricacies that played a part in them getting to to what we see today. And that piece right there of just you know, asking for and thinking even what I, what do I have to lose here? Because what we do is we, we it's, we're very quick to talk ourselves out of something or to water it down or to say, oh, well, and we just were second guessing to the point where we have like no energy left to even find a good idea, right? Where if you just shift that thought, the initial thought may come in like, I don't know if I should do this, but then you, you, what you did was perfect, but what do I have to lose? And that opened a door that not only provided for you, but it created the pathway that gave you a space to really figure out your skill set, right? Someone took a chance on you because you were willing to take a chance on yourself and put yourself out there, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah it, absolutely. And, you know, uh, just fast forwarding a bit, I worked with him for about a year and a half in that role. And I told him because I was building my blog and my podcast on the side mm -hmm. and I was just teaching what I was doing in marketing at the company and from a copywriting standpoint. So I started to accrue a small, and then this is way back. I mean, this is like 2013, so almost 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I got in the space a little bit early, but then when I left, that company became my first retainer client. Mm -hmm. They just didn't want to lose me. And yeah. so, and I've told people, hey, if the situation's right and you want to make the leap and go full-time on your own, check in with your employer. They might not want to let you go. They might they might have a completely different budget just for outside consulting. That is so true. That, so that is so it. true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that was, such that a golden a nugget. I hope somebody wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> just ask. Okay. Yeah. yeah, just ask. Just actually, that is my uh, my mom, mom used to say that the answer is always no if you don't ask. And yeah. honestly, keeping that in mind has helped me a lot personally and professionally. So, okay, you stumble into this role. You're figuring it out along the way, uh, which is really life, right? We're all just trying to figure it out along the way. I imagine that there were a lot of tough moments and failures and mistakes and just, you know, it's that's life, but it can be intensified when you are in, you know, completely new uncharted territory. Can you share a failure or a tough moment? Maybe it wasn't there, but just early on that shaped you? There were two instances that I remember very clearly. One was when I was in the middle of growing this side hustle. You know, so I was I was working probably 60 hours a week and I just had a nervous breakdown. I just had a breakdown one day. I was so stressed. It just totally 
took me by surprise. I mean, I, I swear the last time I cried at that point in my life was in ninth grade when I saw Terminator 2 and Arnold Schwarzenegger's character was dying. Yeah. The, right. That was like the last right, I'm a, out of out of touch with my emotions, you know, Asian guy. Right. <laughs> and I just broke down because I was so stressed because it was so demanding and I was learning everything on the go. And I was trying to do this side hustle. Uh, I was taking freelance clients, which then I realized was just like having another boss. And I was like, wait, okay, if I want to, if I want to really get out of this situation and make the leap, I've got to think about this in a smarter way. I can't, I can't do the same thing I'm doing at work with all these clients and the side hustle. And I, at the time I was married. And so um, my now ex-wife said, Hey, I'm cool with you making the leap, but you've just got to, you've got to match your income from your job for three months in a row. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. But how am I supposed to make $10,000 a month on the side when I'm already making 60, you know, working 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And so I had to think about it completely different. So that actually, those constraints, Karen, actually forced me to focus on the right things that had the most leverage. It's why I started blogging and podcasting. I I didn't chase speaking engagements because it didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to get paid a lot. I would have to use my vacation days to go travel to these places and Mm -hmm. nobody knew who I was. So I just grew grew my brand and I didn't realize I was doing it at the time, but I blogged every week in 2013. And then in 2014, I started a podcast and year by year, it's like the Chinese Zodiac, the year of the pig, the year of the rat, the year of the horse. (laughs) It was like the year of the blog, the year of the podcast, the year of the mastermind group, the year of the my first live event. And so people look at me now and they think like, you got to just do everything. And that's not how it was. Gary Keller has this great quote from Keller Williams uh, in the book, One Thing. He says, success is sequential, not simultaneous. Mm, I love that book, by the way. It's one of my favorite books that helped me tremendously on this journey. Same. And that Mm -hmm. quote, like when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've I've unconsciously been doing this kind of thing. But now I'm locked in. Once that came into my awareness, I'm like, I'm going to play the long game. So that breakdown was really, really tough. And then when I went in my, my first year of going full-time in business, I held a conference, a small conference, about 40, 50 people in Austin. My assistant and I totally misread the contract and I owed the, I owed the venue like 30 grand and I didn't have it because mm-hmm. nobody stayed at the hotel. They all stayed in Airbnbs in Austin, right? And I was like on the hook for all these rooms. And I, that was horrible. Uh, I found a way to scrounge up the money in a weekend. Thank mm-hmm. God I had an email list and a podcast and an audience. But man, that that was really tough. I got through it and it taught me, you know, I got to I got to put on my grown up pants here if I'm going to run a business. Mm-hmm. And so that was very, very instrumental in how I run my business in the years since. So Absolutely. those were two really hard times. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. You know, again, we sometimes, even in our journey, our own journey, not just hearing other people, we forget these moments, but if you find yourself in a difficult space and while the initial feelings, obviously are going to be stressful, right? But if you can then learn from it, then it stays with you longer in a good way because either, either of those could have broken you end of the road. That's it. We're done. I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But now I am sure that, and you mentioned this in in the initial tough moment, is that you are able to be more thoughtful about your efforts with work, right? Which obviously takes you further. And then you were able to 
pay attention to detail in a way that you hadn't before because you weren't a business owner. So, so now I'm sure those lessons from those tough moments are serving you. I mean, far and wide, I have, I have no doubt, but it's not just the tough moments, right? It's not just the tough moments that then start to take shape. I know from my personal experience that overcoming these limiting beliefs that I was brave enough to face, right. To, to really say, okay, now that I'm in this position, what are the, what are internal factors that are holding me back? What are these beliefs that are limiting my capabilities even because we're limitless as humans, we really are. It's extraordinary when you look at how much we can do and how much we can serve this world around us. Yet we are limited by the things that we hold tight to internally, right? Because the battlefield is absolutely in the mind. Did you have any like core limiting beliefs that you had to reflect on in your journey that essentially by you facing those and overcoming them, they allowed you to unlock a different level of, of potential? And how did you, I'm really interested in the, how did you face and grapple with those limiting beliefs? Yeah. So this is why, like when I recount this, uh, it's a little wild. So six months, so I go full-time into my business in late 2015, six months later, you know, my wife of 10 years says, Hey, I don't want to be married anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I thought that this was like, okay, I've made it. I, I have gotten on the other side. I'm full-time in my own business. We just bought a house. This is where I'm going to have my kids and just out of nowhere to me, at least just boom, six months later. So you want to talk about limiting beliefs or stories you're telling yourself? I was like, okay, I must be fundamentally flawed. But like, what did I do here that is, that is, you know, causing this, right? I just launched my business. I'm ready to go, right? And then this happens, right? And, and we're cool. Like I, we're, we're, we're cordial. Everything ended cordially, but it was awful two, two, three years, right? And we both moved on with our lives and all, all that, that stuff. But you know, Karen, it was so weird. Like my business took off during that season. And yet my personal life was like in shambles. Mm-hmm. And it was a very weird tension to live in. Mm-hmm. I buried myself in work and a lot of other, you know, things to numb the pain uh, that were not healthy for me. But I was just trying to get through minute by minute, day by day. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go through something like that and you work for yourself, you don't go to work nine to five and have things to distract you. Right. Like I was crawling out of bed at one in the afternoon every day, doing a mastermind or coaching call and crawling back into bed for a few more hours than going out and just go drinking. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. day after day after day, going to this conference, that conference, which oddly enough grew my network, but I was so miserable at those conferences because yeah. my personal life was a wreck, right? Mm-hmm. And that has been a huge journey, uh, which I feel like I'm very proud of myself for for getting through. But one of the biggest things that helped me kind of get through that season that has now become a core practice in my life is practicing gratitude. Uh, I always used to think it was a dumb thing. I heard these people talk about the five-minute journal and you write down three things you're grateful for every morning. I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know what? I had to humble myself. And I was just like, let me, let me try this because everything else I'm doing in life is not working. Mm. And I know you come from this background and rewiring your brain and neuroplasticity that has framed life for me in such a new and healthy way. I Mm. can't even describe it. Yes. I look back sometimes at what I write and the big things are small and the small things are big. 
mm. in terms of what I'm grateful for every morning. I'm just grateful for my dog, my apartment, my that I've worked that is meaningful and purposeful. The day my book hit a bestseller list, two bestseller lists, it was just one of three things I was grateful for that day. Mm. So sometimes I think as business owners or you know aspiring to to level up your life as as we all want to do. We hear these people that say, oh, it's okay, yeah, the best day of my life was when my book did this or my business did that. But man, daily gratitude frames it. It does. It really does. So that was huge for me. And just getting around good people. Yeah. Like I always, I always say, you got to stay close to the fire of growing people. Mm-hmm. And that was huge. They, they carried me through that time. Man, I cannot emphasize how much gratitude also changed my life, you know, at, in, in the darkest time, because mm. after losing Richard and for my listeners, some of them may know the story, but most may not, I went through several losses. So I lost my husband. I lost my car. I lost my house. I lost my job all in a year. I mean, it was just like, and then after losing my job, I, I started, I knew that I, you know, wanted to have the freedom of entrepreneurship, but I just didn't know what that was going to look like. I definitely didn't think I was going to be a speaker. I didn't think I was going to do podcasting. Was, you know, I was a single parent. So I was like, how can I do things smart in a way that will give me that freedom and flexibility to be there for, for my son? But when I started the business, um, which was very different than what it is today, I was like, I'm still grieving. Like I'm still in, so I, I relate to that, Mike, like for you to be building a business in the midst of grief and a season that you should be healing is tumultuous. And it is, I mean, it is so, I would sometimes have these moments where I'm like, what am I doing? I mean, literally, what am I doing here? Because everything felt hard. Everything felt like it wasn't, you know, going my way. This is, this is my story. Thankfully you were on the rise on your business. That was not my journey. I was just really in these dark, dark times, but I would lay my head on the pillow at night and I would say, thank you for these clean sheets. Thank you that my son is healthy. I was so, I tell people, I was so basic with my gratitude <laughs> because I truly wasn't sure. But, but I knew that I, if I didn't hold on to at least some good, I was going to get swallowed up by all of the hard stuff. I just knew it. I actually could feel that physically in my body that if I wasn't able to just hold on to even the smallest bit of good in my life that I was going to lose myself and I was going to lose sight of the things that mattered. So I am glad that you brought that up because whether your trying time comes from a personal hardship or a professional hardship, if you do the work and if you find something to be grateful for, it plants this seed of hope and possibility that this hard thing you're going through will not be there forever. And it also, as you mentioned, it kind of puts things in perspective to say, this may be one hard thing, but look at these other wonderful things that are in my life. These, these sources of love and goodness and joy and, and maybe even just like peace, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause for me, yeah. I felt like I was on a roller coaster. So I was like, clean sheets, that's peaceful. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. And, and it's counterintuitive. Like, because we we feel like our journeys don't matter. And that's the the great like you sharing this story makes me feel like I, I've gotten to know you even more. There's so much more context. And in the work that you know you and I both do with with building our own personal brand, like I tell people all the time, like that's actually what is your unique selling proposition. I ask folks all the time, like, you know, I'm from Jersey, so the, the I talk a little saltier, but I'm like, what ticks you off? What breaks your heart? 
What's the big problem that you're trying to solve? And if you can answer those three questions, that's really your brand, your marketing Mm. as a personal brand. Mm. You know, we've got other brands out there, Spanx, you know, uh, Apple, and and these are companies. But Mm -hmm. when you're talking about a personal brand Mm -hmm. and your identity, it's just your identity Mm -hmm. comprised of your ideas, your expertise, your reputation, your personality. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got to share a little bit of your backstory. Yeah. And so people just discount it, just, just like you were saying, we, we sometimes forget that. But that's exactly what makes people work with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I went through something like that. I went through this. I went through that. You oh feel my, gosh, my pain. I, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's like, what ticks you off? What breaks your heart? What's the big problem you're trying to solve? Like, what's the, what's the injustice that you see in the world? What's the compassion that you have? for people or for a cause. And then the big problem you tr- you're trying to solve is the purpose of your business. Yes. And it was, it was so funny when I would share those stories, you know, what, with what I went through with work or in the breakdowns that I had, cause I was overworking or even in the divorce people, I, I know I, I'm a marketing and brand strategist. They don't see me like that. They see me like a pseudo life coach who happens to know how to do branding and marketing. And that's why they work with me because all things considered equal, there are thousands of people who do what I do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But my story is the only thing that's unique to me. Mm -hmm. And so the more I own it, the more I attract the right vibe. You know, even you asking me earlier what I did to start out. And I used to be so ashamed that I worked in a church, honestly. I'm like, I'm not sure that I really believe in all of that stuff before. Maybe, you know, people are going to think I'm weird because I came. The more I owned it, people are like, oh, wow, I've went through some pretty big, big transitions too. I feel like a total imposter. Thank you for sharing that. Right. Yes. Yes. It's the human connection that yeah. honestly, we want to feel in all parts of our life, right? We want to feel it at work. You know, we we connect better with our kids even when we just like meet them at a very basic human level. Oh, I am so glad glad that you mentioned that. You know, there are a lot of things that get in our way. If you're trying to build a personal brand, there are many things that can get in the way. I'll tell you what got in the way for me. I was really a marketing person's worst nightmare. I'll tell you that. <laughs> because, because I would always get this question, well, what is the one problem that you want to solve? And at first, as I mentioned this earlier, you know, I, I leaned on other people's expertise because I was so new to being an entrepreneur, but what they were projecting on me didn't feel right. So what people assumed would be my service to the world would come through the the pathway of being a widow or even more broadly grief. I did not want to create a brand that was solely focused on grief because that was not aligned with my most authentic self. And it was, it took me years, years, Mike, (laughs) to really figure out, okay, if I'm not focusing on grief, what am I focusing on? And finally the word came to me was growth. Now, as I was thinking about that though, and again, going back to the question that all marketers ask, what's the one problem you're going to solve? It wasn't one problem. It wasn't like someone, you know, I help people through a job transition. It wasn't like it, whatever it was, I help people through their, their parenting crisis. It, it was not one thing. It was more broadly about how can we learn how to deal with life's tough times in a way that serves our growth. And I'm telling you again, took me years to figure this out. But essentially what it really, really came down to was, and you kind of, you know, hit on this, my service and my heart for the world. The problem was that we overcomplicate our personal growth journey. We really do. The other problem was that we don't have 
not just the language, but the education around how sophisticated our mind is and why tapping into that is the key to unlocking what you're trying to, whether it's heal or grow, and then whatever the problem is, right, in your life. Because that can be so different, but really what it comes down to was your mindset. And I will tell you, whenever I started to like share this with people, they were like, well, mindset is too broad. It's not tangible enough. You have to, you have to get them. And I struggled. They're like, you have to get them exactly what that pain point is. And I just, I tried and everything I tried failed. Every time I tried to follow something else, it failed. And, and I really believe that again, what was in the way for me, for me was I wasn't staying true to my service, like how I could serve the world, but maybe that's just me. Have you found that there's something common maybe amongst us that you know, we need to get rid of in order to build our brand? You know, uh, that that's not uncommon what you went through because m- m- there a lot of people have multiple talents. And when that a marketing right. person, that's exactly, yeah. I'm like, I'm a multi-passionate, multi-talented. Yeah. So when a marketing person says niche down, it's like, you asking them to like go through life with one hand tied behind their back. It doesn't make sense. I've never told anyone to do that. I've Mm -hmm. told them that there might be seasons where you're focused on solving one problem, Mm -hmm. but the overarching umbrella is going to come into clarity. It's going to, it's, it's going to illuminate itself as you move forward. Again, success is sequential, not simultaneous. Right. And so we feel like it's easy for marketers to say this, Hey, fix one thing and do this forever. That's not how it works. I tilt it on the side and say, maybe for this year, this is the one thing that you're going to talk about. And you're, you're going to evolve, right? I say this like business builders, entrepreneurs, personal brands. We go through this identity crisis or what we think is an identity crisis. It's not, it's an identity evolution. Yeah. So what are you doing in year one that is going to stack for year two and three, and then year four, you do something different. If you told me that I'd be doing what I'm doing today, three years ago, I would have hated it. I would have re- resisted, but I'm three years older and I'm three years more experienced and and I'm in a different season in my life, right? So true. Not, so people don't give clients that room to actually live and breathe, mm. right? So what I say is like, okay, let's see what you're passionate about right now. What's really singing in your soul? Mm-hmm. And let's go figure that out because in a year or two, that might just add, or you might add something on top of that, or it might be like comic books were for me as a kid. My God, if you told me right now I was drawing comic books, I'd be miserable. (laughs) We don't, we don't give room to people enough. And so like when I talk about building a personal, it's, it's funny because we have to use that terminology, but I, I tell people, and I say this in the book, don't build a brand, become the brand. Become who you're trying to sell to people. I see so many people do it one of two ways and both are wrong. And it sounds like, you know, you felt this, like on one hand, you have folks who feel like, you know, attention is owed to them, right? They think image is everything. They, I mean, there are literally people who will go rent a mansion on Airbnb, stage Mm -hmm. a photo shoot Mm -hmm. and imply that it's their house. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. And then on the other hand, we've seen the pendulum swing, in response to that, where people are oversharing in the name of authenticity, but it's sort of like watching a car wreck. Yeah, they get eyeballs, but people move on. I mean, I was when I went through my divorce and all that stuff, I shared a little bit, but not the gory details. Yeah. I still wanted to be a person of value. Those folks are selling struggles instead of solutions. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so what I say instead, and, and this is why I think you and I are just able to just talk like this and like just share our stories. Like I just tell people, hey, if you're wondering what to share, ask yourself a simple question. Can I build a campfire around this? Mm-hmm. And what I mean is, is it warm? Is it inviting? Is it inclusive? What happens at campfires? It's a light in a dark place. People share their own stories. Mm-hmm. It's a warm moment, right? And that. if you do that, things will work out. And, and, and you look at marketing, marketing isn't about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. So if I have you over for dinner or have you over for a campfire, we're just hanging out. And the whole time I'm telling you what to do, that's not a fun night, <laughs> right? It's like, let's be a little bit more personal and personable with what we're sharing because a personal brain is personal. Yes. Oh, I love that because I felt that tension inside of me when some of the direction and and even some of the, you know, language that I was learning from the books or listening to the podcast, like I, I knew which ones weren't for me because they took the vantage point of that when you're marketing, you are selling, right? But for me, I hate selling. Like I actually know in my human design that I I prefer to be invited into spaces. I will never put push myself onto someone, which gave me new language in the way that I was presenting my service. That was, I'm not selling, I'm here to serve. And if mm-hmm. you're for me and I'm for you, cool. Welcome to the campfire. Yeah. <laughs> Please come uh, have a seat. We're in this together. <laughs> everything changed. When I, I'm glad you mentioned human design because that, I, I mean, that shifted everything for me that too. I'm a generator. For me too. Yeah. And so even language like that, because I'm a, a copyright background. So when I find out that someone has that kind of wiring, mm-hmm. I say, instead of saying like, you know, hire me, mm-hmm. it can be just invite Karen to speak. Yes. Yeah. You see, like even that will make help you feel aligned with yourself in what you're putting out into the universe. Yeah. Right. And and everyone's different. And that's why we've got like I've never said one size fits all. I want to get to know the people I work with. Mm-hmm. The clients I've served, even the big name clients, are all very different. Yeah. They all have completely different personalities. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, like, if I just come in and be like, all right. Uh, Mr. Maxwell, this is exactly what converts. Like, mm-hmm, no. mm-hmm. right, Dr. Eamon, this is exactly what will. Mm, no, you got to get to know them because the marketing is just you're trying to help them open a relationship with people, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. there's, there's got to be alignment. Absolutely. Actually, yeah. I want to talk about that really quick. So, uh, some of the big name people who you've worked with, you know, many of us know, especially if we're in this space of entrepreneurship. And what I found is a lot of my big breaks or open doors, I can look back and see the small beginnings that led to that opportunity. Do you mind sharing one of the stories on, uh, you know, how you, ended up working with someone, you know, a, a thought leader who has a big stage. And like, how did you get to that? Because I think that would really inspire people who are hoping to do good work, big work, or work with big people. But just knowing that sometimes it comes out of left field, like you're not, you know, you, it's not like you perfectly positioned yourself for it. Maybe you have, but a lot of times, at least I found this comes from the book, The Alchemist, uh, that you can do all that you can, but then the universe just surrounds you, comes around you and helps to open some of those doors or lead you with some positive omens. So do you mind sharing one of those stories? Yeah. So uh, this is t- 2018. Okay. And I just gotten divorced and uh, an old friend of mine, who's a videographer calls me earlier that year and says, Hey, I've been working with John Maxwell and they're 
their their team for their coaching certification. I'm going to put you in touch with their, the head of their team. I think you'd be great. And I said, Andrew, that's wonderful. I'm very honored you think of me, but you're the video guy. They're probably not going to hire the friend of the video person. No, <laughs> no, no disrespect to you, but thank you. Yeah. And we talked initially, and then some months later, you know, like we, we circled back. And uh, the president of that division uh, contacts me and says, okay, last couple of months, I've been hearing your name everywhere. Uh, when that happens, I pay attention. So what do you do? Why are we talking? <laughs> I said, <laughs> I don't know. And I was living in DC at the time with family and he flew his team to DC to meet me and they recruited me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm very flattered and I've, I love John's work, but I just got divorced and I was going to buy one way around the world ticket and go scuba diving and drink a lot of scotch Ooh, I love uh, that. So, and, and, and escape winter. And this guy ever, the salesman says, well, you could do all that in Florida. We'd like you to come down for, for six months. Mm-hmm. And I look and just out of left field, like you said, right, Karen. Mm-hmm. However, when I really thought about it, Andrew, the videographer, he knew me from my church music world days and he it's had been happens. silent. Right. He had been silently creeping my content, mm. all the, Hey, what's Mike doing? Mm. And so I just showed up my blog, my podcast on social media. And he was seeing yeah. this. He's like, no, Mike knows what he's talking about. And I had a body of work online that he could present to the president of that division and say, you should talk to this guy. I know him. And he clearly knows what he's talking about. He's got his own audience. Like he's not just a freelancer looking for a contract. And so that completely changed my position. I came in as a collaborator, mm. not, not a contractor mm-hmm. or not a competitor, right? Mm-hmm. I brought them guests to speak at their conference. Like I had my own network. And so I look back at that and yeah, it came out of left field. And for years, since 2013 to 2018, for five years, I've been podcasting and blogging and coaching and doing all my own thing. And I, they got me, yep. not just my ability or my, my hands. They got my head, yes. they got my network, they got my heart. And so I mm. did work with them for about six months is absolutely incredible. And I mean, I, that obviously grew my business in a lot of different ways. Yes. And yes. yeah, so I would say, you know, get in the right heart space, but keep doing the work because you never know who's watching. You really That don't. is so, I, I exactly. Exactly. I mean, what else am I going to say just except for exactly? <laughs> and and people will ask me because of the the speaking I'm doing now and, and the clients who have entrusted me to come in and talk about mental strength training. And I feel very fortunate, you know, to be able to share some of those logos on my website and speaker reel and all that. And so when people ask, how did you do this? And I look back, I'm like, honestly, I would just show up because you never know who's watching. And to piggyback off of what you were saying earlier, like sometimes people overshare I was very conscious about in this journey of my brand and brand identity that I wanted to continue to focus everything on the work. I, of course, I have to share some of my story because my life was the experience and the evidence that I could see that this actually works. But I started to get so much into different research studies, other people's stories, you know, and then I found that some of the things that I was saying have already been said, right? And so that was, that was actually beautiful to see that this is, there's this universal truth here. But essentially what I was doing is I was, as I was refining my brand, because I just kept showing up in my most authentic way. And then when you least expect it, you have now 
created this library, if you will, of evidence of your expertise, which then becomes a point for someone else to be able to say, oh, now we can see what you have to offer as opposed to, I'm just going to pitch myself and I hope you believe me. No, show up. Even when you think no one is reading the blog, listening to the podcast or however you decide to share your expertise, at the very least, you're creating that library uh, that essentially becomes your resume. And, And that library allows these prospects to get to know you Mm-hmm. in their own pace and at their, in their own space and at their own pace. You know, this, this, this guy was probably reading a couple of my blog posts after I, I was referred to him. Mm-hmm. That's happened with a lot of my big name clients. They're like, all right, somebody talked about you went on your website and just read a little bit of your stuff. Same. And exactly. Imagine yeah. I didn't have that. You yep. didn't have that, right? I mean, what a horrible conversation. That, that That's when it turns into a sales call. Yeah. You're just like, look, I'm amazing. I'm the, oh gosh, who wants to do that? No, no, so, not me. That's not my energy space. So, <laughs> wow, you have dropped so many gems here, Mike. This conversation is just like fueling me with so much warm energy. It definitely feels like I'm by a campfire with you. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you for all of these gems, all of this wisdom. My last question for you would be, uh, what is your advice for someone who is trying to figure out their brand? Mm. What I would say is, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I could say, but I'm going to go more the mindset route okay. because that's what drives everything. Action cures fear. Mm. That's really it. You know, you never really know until you do it. And especially early on, those lessons that you learn from taking action will stay with you forever. For a lot of us who came out of the corporate world, our muscle of self-expression is atrophied. It's underdeveloped. That's so true. We've been told, don't speak up. Don't do it. The the people who who I've met and worked with who have the hardest time come out of very highly regulated industries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there's compliance. Yeah, there's law, right? Right. Law, government, military, education, like, the, you know, healthcare. They, they're not sure what they're allowed to say because mm-hmm. they're, they've kept them, they have a muzzle on them. They get the wrist slap that they say something out of line. And now they come into this space and it's like the wild, wild west. Yeah. Oh, tell people what you think. I, I'm not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be a thought leader, no one knows your thoughts. You have no marketing and yep. people can't read your mind. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say, if anything, realize that action cures fear. And that's, it, it's okay to start ugly. No one's going to figure it all out. No one's going to hit a home run, uh, you know, every time they're at bat their first year, mm-hmm. just, just move forward and get in a community of people that are supportive of you in that, yeah. you know, and that, that's what I would say mindset wise, all the other tactical stuff there, all my stuff's out there, but mm-hmm. the mindset stuff, that is absolutely what helped me yeah. just keep moving forward. Oh, couldn't agree more friend. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for hanging out uh, today and sharing so many personal insights that I know are going to be incredibly valuable to our listeners. Uh, I can't wait to continue this conversation another time, Mike. We'll have to have you, have you back. <laughs> I would be honored, Karen. Thank you for having me. Thank you to those tuning in uh, for, for, for listening in. I hope it was uh, helpful and valuable and just keep on going. Yeah. If you want to learn more about Mike's work, make sure you check out his book. You can get it everywhere where books are sold, especially online. You know, we all go to Amazon to get our books. That's fine. That's okay. You can go there and tune into his podcast. You are the brand. He has incredible podcast guests on there and you can continue your learning journey on how you can build your brand. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.